Chapter 4 of Culture and Cooking, or Art in the Kitchen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew Tink. Culture and Cooking, or Art in the Kitchen, by Catherine Owen. Chapter 4. What to Have in Your Storeroom. One great trouble with many young housekeepers is portrayed by the common remark, Cookery books always require so many things that one never has in the house, and they coolly order you to moisten with gravy, take a little gravy, as if you had only to go to the pump and get it. It is very true that economy in cooking is much aided by having a supply of various condiments. Warmed of a meat may then be converted into a delicious little entree with little trouble. I would recommend, therefore, anyone who is in earnest about reforming her dinner table to begin by expending a few dollars in the following articles. One bottle of capers, olives, gherkins, soy, anchovies, tarragon vinegar. One bottle of claret, white wine, sherry for cooking, brandy, Harvey sauce, walnut ketchup, and a package of compressed vegetables and a few bay leaves. Ten dollars thus spent may seem a good deal of money to a young housewife trying to make her husband's salary go as far as it will. But I assure her it is in the end an economy, especially in a small family, who is so apt to get tired of seeing the same thing that it has to be thrown or given away. With these condiments, and others I have yet to mention, you will have no trouble in using every scrap. Not using it and eating it from a sense of duty and wishing it was something better, but enjoying it. With your storeroom well provided, you can indeed go for gravy as if to the pump. Besides the foregoing list of articles to be bought off any good grocer, there are others which can be made at home to advantage, and once made are always ready. Mushroom powder I prefer for any use to mushroom catsup. It is easily made and its uses are infinite. Sprinkled over steak, when it must be sifted, or chops, it is delicious. For ordinary purposes, such as flavouring soup or gravy, it need not be sifted. To prepare it, take a peck of large and very fresh mushrooms, look them over carefully that they are not wormy, then cleanse them with a piece of flannel from sand or grit. Then peel them and put them in the sun or a cool oven to dry. They require long, slow drying and must become in a state to crumble. Your peck will have diminished by the process into half a pint or less of mushroom powder but you have the means with it of making a rich gravy at a few minutes' notice. Apropos of gravies, that much-vexed question in small households, for without gravies on hand, you cannot make good hash, or many other things that are miserable without it and excellent with it. Yet how difficult is it to have gravy always on hand? Every mistress of a small family knows, in spite of the constant advice to save your trimming to make stock, do by all means save your bones, gristle, odds and ends of meat of all kinds, and convert them into broth. But even if you do, it often happens that the days that you have done so, no gravy is required, and then it sours quickly in summer, although it may be arrested by reboiling. In no family of three or four are there odds and ends enough, unless there is a very extravagant table kept, to ensure stock for every day. My remedy for this, then, is to make a stock that will keep for months or years. In other words, glaze. 
so very rarely forming part of a housewife's stores, yet so valuable that the fact is simply astonishing. With a piece of glaze, you have a dish of soup on an emergency, rich gravy for any purpose, and all with the expenditure of less time that would make a pot of sweetmeats. Take six pounds of a knuckle of veal or leg of beef, cut it in pieces the size of an egg, as also half a pound of lean ham. Then rub a quarter of a pound of butter on the bottom of your pot, which should hold two gallons. Then put in the meat with half a pint of water, three middle-sized onions with two cloves in each, a turnip, a carrot, and a small head of celery. Then place over a quick fire, occasionally stirring it round, until the bottom of the pot is covered with a thick glaze, which will adhere lightly to the spoon. Then fill up the pot with cold water. And when on the boiling point, draw it to the back of the stove, where it may gently simmer three hours, if veal, six if beef, carefully skimming it to remove scum. This stock, as it is, will make a delicious foundation with the addition of salt for all kinds of clear soup or gravies. To reduce it to glaze, proceed as follows. Pass the stock through a fine hair sieve or cloth into a pan. Then fill up the pot again with hot water and let it boil four hours longer to obtain all the glutinous part from the meat. Strain and pour both stocks in a large pot or stew pan together. Set it over the fire and let it boil as fast as possible with the lid off, leaving a large spoon in it to prevent it boiling over and to stir occasionally. When reduced to about three pints, pour it into a small stew pan or saucepan, set again to boil, but more slowly, skimming it if necessary. When it is reduced to a quart, set it where it will again boil quickly, stirring it well with a wooden spoon until it begins to get thick and of a fine yellowish brown color. At this point, be careful it does not burn. You may either pour it into a pot for use or, what is more convenient for making gravies, get a sausage skin from your butcher, cut a yard of it, tie one end very tightly, then pour into it by means of a large funnel, the glaze. From this cut slices for use. A thick slice dissolved in hot water makes a cup of nutritious soup, into which you may put any cooked vegetables, or rice, or barley. A piece is very useful to take on a journey, especially for an invalid who does not want to depend on wayside hotel food, or is tired of beef tea. The foregoing is the orthodox recipe for glaze, and if you have to buy meat for the purpose, the very best way in which you can make it. But if it happened that you have some strong meat, soup, or jelly, for which you have no use while fresh, then boil it down till it is thick and brown, not burnt. It will be excellent glaze, not so fine in flavour perhaps, but it preserves to good use what would otherwise be lost. Very many people do not know the value of pork for making jelly. If you live in the country and kill a pig, use these hocks for making glaze instead of beef. Glaze also adds much to the beauty of many dishes. If roast beef is not quite brown enough on any one spot, set your jar of glaze. For this purpose, it is well to have some put in a jar as well as in the skin, in boiling water. Keep a small stiff brush, such as are sold for the purpose at house furnishing stores called a glazing brush are best but you may manage with any other, or even a stiff feather. When the glaze softens, as glue would do, brush over your meat with it. It will give the lacking brown, or, 
If you have a ham or tongue you wish to decorate, you may varnish it, as it were, with the melted glaze. Then when cold, beat some fresh butter to a white cream, and with a kitchen syringe if you have one, a stiff paper funnel if you have not, trace any design you please on the glazed surface. This makes a very handsome dish, and if your ham has been properly boiled, will be very satisfactory to the palate. Of the boiling of ham, I will speak in another chapter. I have a few more articles to recommend for your storeroom, and then I think you will find yourself equal to the emergency of providing an elegant little meal if called upon unexpectedly. Provided you have any cold scraps at all in the house, and mecha d'hotel butter. To make the latter, take half a pound of fine butter, one tablespoonful of very fresh parsley, chopped, not too fine, salt, pepper, and a small tablespoonful of lemon juice. Mix together, but do not work more than sufficient for that purpose, and pack in a jar, keeping it in a cool place. A tablespoonful of this lard in a hot dish on which you serve beef steak, chops, or any kind of fish, is a great addition, and turns plain boiled potatoes into pommes de terre a la maitre d'hôtel. It is excellent with stewed potatoes, or added to anything for which parsley is needed, and not always at hand. A spoonful with half the quantity of flour stirred into a gill of milk or water makes a renowned maitre d'hôtel sauce, or English parsley butter, for boiled fish, mutton or veal. In short, it is one of the most valuable things to have in the house. Equally valuable even, and more elegant, is the preparation known as ravigotte, or Montpellier butter. Take one pound in equal quantities of chervil, tarragon, burnet pimpernel, chives, and garden cress peppergrass. Scald two minutes, drain quite dry, pound in a mortar three hard eggs, three anchovies, and one scant ounce of pickled cucumbers, and same quantity of capers well pressed to extract the vinegar. Add salt, pepper, and a bit of garlic half as large as a pea. Rub all through a sieve, then put a pound of fine butter into the mortar, which must be well cleansed from the herbs. Add the herbs with two tablespoonfuls of oil and one of tarragon vinegar. Mix perfectly, and if not of a fine green, add the juice of some pounded spinach. This is a celebrated Beurre de Montpellier sold in Paris in tiny jars at a high price. Ravigotte is the same thing, only in place of the eggs, anchovies, pickles and capers, put half a pound more butter. It is good, but less piquant. Pack in a jar and keep cool. This butter is excellent for many purposes. For salad, beaten with oil, vinegar and yolks of eggs as for mayonnaise, it makes a delicious dressing. For cold meat or fish, it is excellent, and also for chops. Two or three other articles serve to simplify the art of cooking in its especially difficult branches, and in the branches a lady finds difficult to attend to herself without remaining in the kitchen until the last minute before dinner. But with the aid of Blanc and Roux, a fairly intelligent girl can make excellent sauces. For Roux, melt slowly half a pound of butter over the fire, skim it, let it settle, then dredge in eight ounces of fine flour. Stir it till it is of a bright brown, then put away in a jar for use. Blanc is the same thing, only it is not allowed to brown. It should be stirred only enough to make all hot through, then put away in a jar. 
If you need thickening for a white sauce and do not wish to stand over it yourself, having taught your cook the simple fact that a piece of blanc put into the milk before it boils, or it will harden instead of melt, and allowed to dissolve, stirring constantly, will make the sauce you wish. She will be able at all times to produce a white sauce that you need not be ashamed of. When the sauce is nearly ready to serve, stir in a good piece of butter, a large spoonful to half a pint, when mixed the sauce is ready. Brown sauce can always be made by taking a cup of broth or soup and dissolving in the same way a piece of the roux, and also, if desired, a piece of the Montpellier butter. If there is no soup of course, you make it with a piece of glaze. Brown flour is also a convenient thing to have ready. It is simply cooking flour in the oven until it is a pale brown. If it is allowed to get dark, it will be bitter. And, that it may brown evenly, it requires to be laid on a large flat baking pan and stirred often. Useful for thickening stews, hash, etc. End of chapter 4